Hey guys, we're the Hard Time Strongman Podcast, training of a bear class of man. And today is a very, very special episode. And you know what, Six? Why don't you tell them why? This episode is a literal datasode because as of early spring next year, I will be expecting my first child, a girl. Hi, Dad. Oh. Dad. Dad. Hi, pregnant. I'm dad. Today, we are going to tackle some questions for new fathers, from new fathers, from expecting fathers, from you. If you have any questions, we're just going to, you know, I guess just kind of do a catch all. You know, this is such a huge, huge part in every, you know, in every man's life. You know, I'm granted not every man, but you know, every father's life, this is your oh crap moment. And it's something that every dad can share. This, you know, you know, your whole horizons gang like just crushed and you know blown open. Oh, I am going to be responsible for another human being. I'm responsible for somebody else's childhood. It's a it's a hell of a thing. It really so. is just the perception of it's just how life used to be is not how it's going to be any longer. Like like you said, it's just it's a mind blowing thing. Man, I'm smiling from ear to ear. I just I guess before we get into the episode, I'm you know, we've talked a lot, obviously, but I'm so happy for you. Man. Thanks, man. Congratulations. Thank officially thank you this is this is huge yeah i guess it's a facebook official so i can actually tell everybody else now in the world literally on six continents you're all hearing this i guess this is our first real official data sode it is with two dads present it is whoa (laughs) you know what that means right I'm, i'm not cracking up at a cold one it's too late. It's time for a dad joke. That's fair. When you became a dad, you inherently had like a good, you know, probably two or three books full of dad jokes already implanted mm-hmm. in your brain. So. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? Uh, I can go first. Okay, go for it. How did the window get chosen for his job. I don't know. He got screened for it. It's not your worst. <laughs> but it's not your best. I'll work harder next time. Good. You should. What do you call a lazy baby kangaroo? What? A pouch potato. That was foul. (laughs) (laughs) That was so bad. Oh, that is what I'm here for. Oh, what vegetable is kept in a cage? A zucchini. 
I knew where it was going. A zucchini. I knew I wasn't going to like it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, what's a nurse's favorite plant? One that thrives on abuse and neglect. Okay, this is supposed to be fun, not real. Sorry. Ivy. Oh, God. Ivy. Oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> what does garlic do when it gets hot? It takes its cloves off. <laughs> <laughs> That, that hurt. How much does it cost Santa to park his sleigh? Nothing. It's on the house. How much? <laughs> what weather do horses hate? <laughs> Rain. Man, I, I feel like I should have seen that coming. What do clouds wear? Yep. What? Thunderwear. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Okay. That's enough out of you. Go mow the lawn or something. When does a joke become a dad joke? When? When it becomes apparent. Okay, you're done. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> Hi, pregnant. I'm dead. This is you asking questions, us answering questions for new or expecting fathers. So let's do the thing. So a lot of these questions, they'll be, I mean, since you're a medical professional and also dad, I'm going to try and draw. Yeah. All these questions. Very loose term, the whole professional thing. I know we don't want to, you know, ruin our rep by saying professional, but yes. Um, I'm going to be trying to utilize questions that appeal to both, you know, your dad side and also your medical professional side, because there's a lot of things that people right. either don't know or don't ask, including myself, which is right. why I guess we're here right now. Mm -hmm. So. I guess to kick it off, you know, becoming a dad is probably one of the most satisfying and significant, but also scary things that could ever happen to you. So, you know, it, this could come from either side or both, but like, it, it's got to be okay to be scared, right? Like, this is a huge thing. Oh, it's, yeah, totally natural. 100%. Because, your whole life, right? You have been, well, you know, uh, excluding extenuating circumstances, right? You've been largely only responsible for you in your adult life. So when, you know, you get that line on that little stick that your, you know, wife or girlfriend or whoever peed on, and, you know, you, you get that slap in the face of the, oh, my family just got bigger or, you know, oh, I'm, 
you know, it's not about me anymore. Like they're, you know, I'm going to be in charge of a little human being. Right. Forever. You know, is a completely, well, like you said earlier, is a completely life-changing experience. You will never be the same. Ever. I mean, your, your whole point of view, your outlook, your thought process will never be the same. Right. And it's not meant to be. You know, it's meant to be different. It's meant to change you. You know, that's completely natural. That's completely how it's supposed to be. You're talking about something, you know, talk about being scary. It's something that, you know, was was fear, right? It's, you know, not knowing the outcome of something or worrying about a future event. That's all parenting is, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, that was a little doom and gloom way to think about it. But, you know, it's it's scary. I mean, pff, Hell, man, you've never done it before. <laughs> right. I mean, much like it. Of, of course you're worried about much it. Much like everything else you know? in life. It's like, all new situations can be scary, but like this, this one's, this is a yeah. big one because this child comes into the world and it's, it can defend itself. It's so fragile. I mean, for God's sakes, it has a it freaking soft spot. Like, I mean, it's a hundred percent reliant on you and mom of a hundred percent, you know, and that's really scary, right? I mean, and, you know, parenting, you know, comes by degrees, right? I mean, I'm learning something new all the time. I'm learning something new about parenting every single day. I saw a post on IG that, you know, gave me a new, a new depth, a new avenue, a new way of thinking. You know, the post was, you know, what was, what was the wording that, um, like had a new thought that I am, you know, outside of just being parent, like I'm in charge of somebody's childhood and it's like oh my gosh i didn't even think about it like that you know like my boys they're gonna grow up and someday they're gonna look back on the childhood that i was responsible for you know that's that's heavy man it is that's a lot because there's but the good thing is is that we're you know we're equipped yeah you know people have been doing it since the beginning so (laughs) it's you know, it's pretty well, well and done at this point. So, you know, if you, you know, have family, community, mentors, friends, you know, that's what they're there for. They're there to help you along the way. It's not like you're just, it's not like there's a book really on everything you're supposed to do. Nothing that really outlines everything that could go wrong or will go wrong or things that you should like be looking out for, or, you know, rules and bring all, all that kind of thing. It's just a lot of this, this seems to be things that you've picked up off of your parents, watching other parents, or even so much just like learning on the fly. Both good and bad. Yeah. Right. So you can look at your parents, your friends, uh, just people you meet on the street and see what they're doing. You're like, Oh my gosh, you know, I want to emulate that. That's awesome. You know, that's a that's a great way to do it. That's a great method, you know, idea, whatever. Or you can go the other way, like, oh wow, yeah, my kids aren't gonna do that. Right. Nope. Or, you know, and you know, we talk about this on several episodes and several conversations through the years we know each other, but you know, life generations are cyclical. You know, one generation, you know, your grandparents, like their parents were super, super strict. And so then they were strict to their kids and their kids. You know, our parents are like, you know, I'm not going to do that to my kids. And then, you know, they're super relaxed. And then you have 
you know, kids being crazy. Then it's like, oh, my kids aren't going to act that way. You know, it's just, it, it's, you know, it's a big circle. It's, it's the whole pendulum. So thing. it's the whole pendulum. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, and the, the book comment, you know, there's not a one and done book, but there's books, there's books on books of information. And I think the, the important part is not to try to find the end all be all book because it doesn't exist. Yeah. What you can do and what you should do though, right? Have your priorities, have your values, have your left and rights, you know, set in your mind and in your heart. And if you stay within that, then that's the best you can do. So find things that, you know, help you further those goals, those values, those principles, and stay within those boundaries. Because there's so much information, there's so much good information, you know, online, in books, from friends, you know, acquaintances, you know, whatever. But if it, at the end of the day, if it doesn't help you, you know, be the man, husband, father that you want to be, help your wife be the woman, uh, you know, wife, mother that she wants to be, help your kids be the little people that you're training them up to be, then you know, what's the point? Right. Yeah. Cause growing up, I, I mean, I didn't have a dad that was even present period. He, yeah, he was essentially my benchmark of, you know, when I was getting older, at least into my twenties, he was my benchmark of, okay, this is how I'm not going to be as a father. Right. And I also looked at like all my friends and like all the lives that they had and, you know, the relationships they had with their parents. And it's just like, okay, I can see the good and the bad from all this. Like there's some things that I want to emulate and things that I definitely don't. Like I don't want my kid to be some stuck up arrogant little rat, but I also don't want mm-hmm. them to be, I guess, wanting like feeling like they're alone, yeah. like they can't come talk to me or, you know, my wife. Right. Like it's, I want them to want to be able to come talk to me, to want to do things with me, to want to look up to me specifically. You know, I want to be, I want to be the dad that my dad couldn't and wouldn't, I guess, couldn't and wasn't during my childhood. A hundred percent. But above all things, and I've said this to you before, like I am deathly scared of screwing up, you know, like, like you said, this is someone whose entire childhood, whose entire really first, what, 18 years of life. Well, this is the, even outside of those 18 years, this is the foundation mm-hmm. for their entire life. Yeah. It based it, they're basing how they're looking at me the same way that I looked at my dad or they're going to be looking at me the same way I looked at my dad. Yeah. Like they're formulating how they're going to be as a parent based off of what I do and say and act. I mean, and you're 82 years old and you're thinking about <laughs> your father. I mean, think about that, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously though, I mean, like this is something that, you know, people think about every single day and you know, whether consciously or subconsciously, you know, this affects you. You know, parenting is, you know, one of the biggest responsibilities you'll ever have. Outside of the scary part, it's the best job I've ever had. I hate working. I hate going to a nine to five. I hate, you know, 
working for a wage or for a living, being a husband and a father is the best quote unquote job I've ever had Mm -hmm. ever. You know, it's what I love doing. It's what I want to do forever. And, you know, I feel like we're, we're built that way. You know, it's one of our greatest responsibilities ever. Right. So, you know, the thing is though, is that you are going to screw up a lot, but something that's really great about kids is that they're super resilient and they're practically new every day. You know, like I've had my, well, my, well, he's four, but he was like two or three and, you know, we just, you know, butting heads, you know, he's being, you know, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, you know, being stubborn because he's mine and, you know, just had, you know, didn't, couldn't do anything right the entire day, you know, went to sleep mad, woke up and I was just absolutely heartbroken and went. You know, when he got up the next morning, he completely forgot, forgot about it. Dad, let's go do this. Like, you know, it's just, you know, so you, outside of that, you just need to give yourself grace. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah. even though kids have the minds of goldfish, especially in their early years, they're going to remember core stuff. Like it's going to stick with them. They may not remember everything. They may not remember all the details, but if they feel a certain way, they're going to remember that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like deja vu later 100%. on. hundred percent feel that. Well, exactly. And something that I've seen, you know, and we're skipping around a whole lot, which we warned our patients we were going to do. Um, but specifically with discipline, which we don't need to get into too much, but right. on the discipline side of the house, um, you know, people are so scared of having their, you know, kids be afraid of them. You know, which, you know, that is the absolute, you know, left field. You do not obviously want your kids to be afraid of you. You know, you are their protection. Right. You know, you are, you know, you are outlining that you are, you know, being that example of, you know, especially as, you know, uh, a girl dad. You know, you are, you know, you are the example of what you want your daughter to marry someday. That's true. You know, if she marries. That's true. <laughs> You know, if she ends up marrying later in life, she's going to marry you. And it, so it is funny though. Like you say that and you know, I ended up marrying someone who was very, very, very similar to, to how my mom was and I didn't even realize it. That's how it works, man. Yeah. That's how it works. So that being said, be the man that you want your daughter to marry someday. Yeah. You know, and it goes back to our other conversations on self-actualization, right? If you don't like how you are, or how you act, change it, fake it, fake it till you fake make it, till you make it, you know, start, start doing the things that you want to do, start acting the way that you want to act. And pretty soon it's not going to be fake anymore. It's just going to be what you do. You know, it's that simple. So if you, you know, if you look in the mirror, you know, with that mindset, you know, if you're a father of a, of a son or daughter, if you don't want your son's amulet to emulate you or grow up to be just like you. If you don't want your daughter to grow up to marry someone just like you, then change that because that's on you. That's not on their taste. That's not on anything on them. That that's on you, boo. You know, cause the you're, you know, speaking of, you know, as a boy, dad, my boys, 
see everything. Yeah. And they copy me. Anything that dad does, they do. Oh man. So that's do, do I so do I want them to grow up seeing dad playing on his phone on the couch? Or kicking the dog or yelling at my wife or not helping with chores or ordering people around without you know putting in the work? The answer is no. I probably shouldn't do those things. Dude, it's it's so much like that Rodney Atkins song. Um uh, watching you. Yeah. That's that song scares the crap out of me every time I hear it. Yeah, you're right. They are sponges. They just they watch everything mm-hmm. you do, and you know, you're like Superman to them. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot, man. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. But before we get too all encompassing in this, let's. Let's get to like pregnancy to let's do some, let's do some questions. Yeah. One. So, I mean, good Lord. I mean, with, with my wife, with my wife being super type a and also a medical professional or, you know, provider, like she's good on the whole researching everything that I need to know, need to eat, need to do kind of thing. So I'm kind of just like, Mm -hmm. Let me help pick a baby name, but <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to worry about that portion. Right. But, but as far as everything else, so that, that kind of gets me to, you know, my mind wanders to, of course, the, the prep phase, like what, mm-hmm. when it comes time to give birth, what do I really need to be worried about those last, I don't know, I guess like the last month the last two to four weeks kind of thing. Cause I know like, you know, preemie birth is kind of a, a thing. It's, it's a thing, especially in, in older parents, but like, what do I need to be like specifically kind of like keeping an eye on or worrying about preparing for more or less those last two weeks? Like I obviously the birth, but yeah, obviously the birth, but I mean, there is so, the thing is, there's so little that you can do in this process. And that's the, that's the scary thing. And that's the frustrating thing, yeah. right? Baby's going to come when the Lord wills it. So most you can do is, you know, have a quote unquote plan, right? So if you are going to have a home birth, or you're going to go to a birthing center, or you're going to go to the hospital, you know, best know how to get there multiple ways. Right. In case, you know, traffic's bad or something or the other, you know, obviously have your baby bag, you know, go bag, go bag for birth, you know, so obviously have all the baby stuff. But, you know, a lot of time birth is a long process. So you have some leeway if you have friends or family in the area, they can help get last minute stuff. But just basic, you know, stuff for baby, right? You know, your diapers, your wipes, your clothes you know, extras of everything because kids are disgusting and they, you know, make everything dirty immediately. Um, you know, your wife, if your wife has any, you know, medical stuff, any, you know, any kind of medical history, you're going to want extra prescriptions. You're going to want stuff for her. 
Um, but this should all be discussed in your birth plan with your with your provider, right? What do you want the birth to look like, right? And they'll they'll go through all that, you know. So like when we uh, when we were talking with our midwife when we were getting closer to, uh, you know, to our delivery time. It's like, all right, let's talk about your birth plan. So where are we going to do this? What do we want this to look like? Do you want, do you have any special, you know, any special requests or suggestions? And you'll go through all that. But the thing is, is that babies is as expansive as they are. They're pretty easy, you know, especially when they're little, right? So baby's going to eat and sleep and be and poop. Is all they're responsible for, you know, for quite a while, you know, before they start growing and do everything else. Right. Um, so you're going to, you know, obviously your diapers, your wipes, I would suggest something like Vaseline or Aquaphor to ward off any kind of uh, diaper rash. You know, it has, you know, it's a, a skin barrier, right? Clothes on clothes on clothes and burp rags. If you guys are going to breastfeed, that's even easier because you don't even have to provide any food. You know, mom has it. If you're going to do formula or anything like that, have all that ready to go. But my, for, for me, my, my biggest stress about it, I don't even know if we'll have another one, but my biggest stress was because I was, I had to commute for work was actually getting to the birth center, like coordinating everything and actually failed in that. So my wife and mother-in-law did not make it to the birth center. They made it to my mother-in-law's home. And I made it there. And then 10 minutes later, I was holding my baby. Mm. So, because <laughs> I was dealing with, you know, traffic on I-35. Uh, um, thank you, 35. Thank you, Texas DOT. Always, always such a pleasure. But... You know, there you go. You know, and and for you, with this, where this is your first baby, and you, know, you guys have everything pretty safe, especially with your wife being a provider. You're not worried about a whole lot of medical stuff. I don't think you guys have a whole lot of uh, past medical history to worry about. Right. Um, I'd say easy thing would be, you know, keep you know a couple of baby bags. You know, have one at home, have one in the cars, so that you know if you guys gotta get up and go, you guys can get up and go. Have your people ready because you, know, you have your dog, right? So. Um, have contacts ready so that they can come and check in on pup and you know make sure the house is good and everything else. But following that, you know, leading up to leading up to labor, that's about it. You know, more often than not, it's going to be a slow process. You know, dipping into it where you know we're going to start those Braxton Hicks, and then we're going to get closer, and then we're going to have real contractions, and get closer, and you know we'll you know move along from there. That's not really a super dramatic thing. Uh, it's just a, you know, coming in for a landing kind of deal. So in Gobex, like, I, I mean, obviously labor, unless you're lucky, is going to be a probably double digit thing in terms of time. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing. You have plenty of time. So. What so for a labor bag, I would just think, what do I need for the first 24 hours? Which is a lot of diapers, a thing of wipes, and then whatever you and mom need to not go insane. I mean, hell yeah. That'd... So make sure that mom has food. Yes. Water. Probably a good idea to keep a charger and a power bank so that you can keep update on family or 
you know, get information or whatever, but it's not, it's not super involved, especially if you're going to be doing it at a hospital, they're going to have everything, you know, there that you need. That's the plan. So, Cause if somehow we can get caught in freaking traffic on the way to the hospital, I'm going to be a little bit fast. But yeah. Cross bridge not, that would not be great. It. But man. Hey guys, Seven from the Hard Time Strongman Podcast here to bring a quick word from our newest sponsor, Blackbeard Firestarters. We first saw Blackbeard Firestarter a few years ago, and after seeing what the product can do, it's been our kit ever since. Their Firestarter rope and their fire plugs are windproof, waterproof, dummy proof, they have an insane burn time, and like anything else that they offer, it just works. Besides their fire stars, they offer an arc lighter, ferro rod, stormproof matches, basically anything that you need to get a fire started. To better equip you, we cherry picked their inventory and made our hard time strongman fire kit. Basically our essentials kit for anything that you can need to get a fire started. But besides that, they're offering 10% off anything in their store when you use the code STRONGMEN. We love the guys at Blackbeard Firestarter. We love what they're doing. We trust them and we trust their products. And we honestly can't recommend them enough. Make sure to check them out online at blackbeardfire.com or on Instagram at blackbeardfire. Huge shout out to the guys at Blackbeard Fire for working with us and for bringing the fire. As always, guys, stay in the fight. Hey everybody, this is 6 and 7 with the Hard Time Struggleman Podcast. We are coming to talk to you about our Patreon and Discord. Hey guys, our patrons get early access to all of our episodes. They get all of our exclusive pre and post shows, all of our spicy takes, all of our rabbit holes that we go on. Everything that we want to include in an episode, but we can't because we need to stay on topic. And soon enough, we'll be offering digital downloads, guides, everything that we've been working on in the background will soon be available to our patrons so make sure to check it out and come hang out with us on discord speaking of the spicy stuff this is where we discuss most of it once you're there you'll get access to all of our in-depth discussions including stuff like homesteading fieldcraft medical camping communications shooting you like ars come talk to us about it you like four by four vehicles and prepping come talk to us about it you like tannerite thermite napalm come talk to us about all of the campfire talks that would get us kicked off of other platforms it's right there in our Discord. Come join our community. We're active on Discord every day. We're interacting with members constantly. We have guys from every walks of life coming to contribute their expertise to all of these various fields and subjects that we've been talking about. Come join the watch Discord. Come join the Discord. Join our community. Build up that better class of man. Now back to the episode. Obviously, babies can't use their words they can just you know cry in different ear shrieking eardrum ripping tenors so if it helps eventually you won't be able to hear it anymore well thanks to the army i can't really hear much to begin with so there's that compartmentalization yeah. i already had selective <laughs> hearing but the army moved worse but i guess i guess having a baby is going to make it even worse so goodness yeah how do you discern? And I, I guess it's probably just trial and error and, you know, eventual muscle memory, but how do you discern the different cries? 
what they really what the baby really needs mom's gonna know first mom's gonna know first you a lot of that you're gonna base off of mom you're still not gonna know so mom will you know tell you to stop freaking out if you're freaking out for no good reason but a lot of it you're just gonna learn on your own baby doesn't know for a long time <laughs> yeah you know baby baby will cry because something's wrong and you know like i said if baby eats and sleeps and pees and poops you're good to go so baby could be hungry baby could be thirsty baby could you know be overtired um baby could need to poop i mean so with a lot of the stuff you are going off of time but the you know as you're getting used to that you're you know baby's crying and you can't console baby for whatever reason uh you know check their diaper they're probably wet or they load a diaper if not then they're probably hungry or thirsty or if it's none of those things then they may just need comfort you know the big thing that i tell parents in clinic you know if you have a you know i, I say in just a lot of the time but i mean oh, crap man baby's never done this before <laughs> You know, if you have your your newborn baby that's, you know, 36 minutes, you know, alive and they're crying for no good reason. They've never done this before. They don't know what the hell's going on. Everything's probably loud and bright and cold and, you know, anything else on top of the fact that they may be hungry or maybe not. I don't know. I've never had to worry about this because I've had a line straight from me to mom. You know, baby, a lot of babies love being swaddled. Both of mine never did. Hmm. Never did. Never tolerated it. So who knows? My first boy never took a binky. He took his fingers. He sucked on his fingers. Second boy, he loves bassies. I mean, every child is different. Every single one. So, but, you know, and like I said, it's a, the feeding question is is a big one and that depends on a lot of things right so is mom going to breastfeed is mom going to you know y'all going to do formula you know if y'all are going to breastfeed is baby capable of breastfeeding you have a lot of kids that are tongue-tied or lip-tied and you know mom and dad want to breastfeed but baby's not able to get the nutrients that they need and that needs to be handled and that's dramatic in and of itself you know having to actually get that you know with a freaking laser I mean, that's a big deal right scary stuff but you know baby's probably hungry or thirsty or has gone pee or poop if not if all those things are met you know swaddle the baby so that it thinks that it's in the womb again keep it warm and you know movement and you know in rhythmic sound babies love repetition and just kind of cyclical things that's why when your kid, you know, is a lot older, right? They'll have you read the same story five, ten, a couple dozen times. They can't get enough just because they love repetition. They're, I mean, they're learning. Right. You have to think of it that way. They're going to learn by repetition. That's true. But yeah. You'll, I mean, you'll, but uh, it, it's a really crappy answer, but you'll, you know, you'll, you'll get a feel for your baby as you go. But, you know, the thing is, it's like the pillars of survival, right? Baby only cares about being alive and comforted. That's it. That's all baby wants. So if you can meet those needs, then, you know, baby will be good to go. 
So I guess this one will definitely kind of apply to the dad side. Mm-hmm. So I've heard from a lot of people that like your feelings change towards your partner after you have a baby. It could be both. It could be good. It could be bad. In your experience, did that happen to you? And like what actually happened? Oh man, that's a deep one. I mean, easy answer is of course, you know, of course your, your feelings are going to change for your, for your partner. I mean, we talked about this before. If you, you know, if you're the same person that you were five years ago, you failed miserably. If you are the same person after going through entire, you know, pregnancy and labor and delivery of a child, then you failed miserably. You know, if you're, if you're that parent, right. And my, my wife hates it, but I love my wife when she's pregnant. I don't know what it is. I think that's just like a physiological thing for, you know, for dads, but like, it just makes me so happy when my wife is pregnant. I think she's so freaking cute. It's, it's hilarious. I just, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, you know, I'm a lot more, you know, lovey dovey. And I, you know, I, uh, I, I guess I dote over my, my wife more. It's like, don't you dare bend over and pick up that shoe. So help me woman, you know, just, uh, it's, it's just a thing. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be a, a negative thing. Cause the, the thing is like, people ask about intimacy, people ask about, um, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, that's going to change, but you know, that's the, that's the name of the game. You know, life has changed and a lot of that stuff, you know, isn't gone forever. Right. Right. You know, you will be able to be with your, you know, intimate with your wife again after, you know, after delivery, I would wait for a while. Right. <laughs> because that's pretty traumatic. He's got to hear. Yeah. But, yeah, of course. But, you know, people, you know, people are so concerned about, you know, whether they'll feel the same, you know, with their with their wife or with their husband after, you know, after a baby. And you won't because you won't be the same people. If any, you know, in my experience, at least, if anything, you'll be you'll be closer. Because because you've made this, you know, this new life. Yeah. And I kind of feel that same way that it's already happened now. Like I'm doing the same things essentially that you've been doing is like, I, I look at her differently. Cause you know, it's not just, it's not just this woman that was, you know, we first started dating. She was my girlfriend. No, this is, this is my wife. Who's now carrying my child. My, yeah. my daughter, you know, like, yeah. It, well, isn't that such a powerful it is statement though? Like it's just, those words have different meaning for you now. It's, Oh, that's my wife and she's pregnant with my daughter. You know, that's a gener that has a generational toll to those words. Now, you know, those mean something to you now it's huge. It is. And like, I, I do, I find myself just like, even when she's not paying attention, looking at her and just smiling and like, yeah. just going even more out of my way to try and, do things for her and at least things that I can do that she's not going to take care of herself. I, I, I do stop mm -hmm. her a lot from doing things. I just, she gets home she's like, Oh, I got to do this. I'm like, no, 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 Go. I got go, this. Go get into your, yeah. your puppies, go sit down, go lay down. I'm, I'm good. I, I got this. I've been, I've been here all mm -hmm. day. I've been taking care of stuff as best I can. 
now that you're home, if you think you're going to be lifted a finger, you have got another thing coming. Go sit down. Yeah. It's a, it's a physiological thing. Yeah. It is. It's how we're built. It is. And, you know, just, yeah. just thinking about the fact that, you know, my wife will period on that. Like I, I instantly get protective in any aspect, but then the fact that she's also carrying my daughter, I feel myself kick into overdrive on protectiveness and I have to like reel myself back in. It's like, you don't have to react to a danger that's not there yet. You're good. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. But I feel like that's a lot of the leftover, the leftover side from the army too. There's a little bit of the, the PTSD kicking in, not to mention the fact that, you know, it's a deep seated ancestral thing to be protective of your wife yeah. and daughter or your wife and child of period. Of course. I mean, you know, in a very, you know, old school sense, you are, you know, you've now transitioned in your, you know, even subconsciously, like you're protecting your bloodline. It's true. When you, when you think, when you strip everything else away, that's, you know, that's the, that's the long short of it, right? Yeah. And I probably one of the main things that I, I really don't want to have happen is for like the romance to die just because we had a kid, you know, like I, I still want to date my wife, you know, as weird yeah. as some people, some guys may sound, think that sounds, it's like, no, 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 no. You still need to date your wife. You still want her to feel desired, wanted, you know, loved. Like there's someone, something special 100%. in their life. So I'm, God, I was single for the longest time and I was fine with it, you know, but I just yeah. I happened to find the one person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I got lucky, you know, mm -hmm. and I went right. from having to change my mindset of, you know, I'm a single dude. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to. Now it's, I have to think for two. I have to think for not just myself, but also, you know, I have to not only manage my requirements but also deal with my loved ones love language and wants and needs and that is right if you're all out there and single i've never had to deal with it that is hard especially when those love languages are not the same as yours oh it's a whole thing man yeah i guess the question comes down to and, and this really is kind of a case-by-case -case basis based on the person but Am I giving, will I be giving my wife enough attention? That's the big thing. Cause I don't want to dote on her anymore. You know, especially if it's not a requirement, if it's not something that she needs, but is there such thing as, well, I mean, obviously there's such thing as too little. Cause if you freaking ignore your wife, you're going to end up with a divorce, but how do you find that happy medium? I guess between allowing her to be an independent person, but also still feeling that love, feeling that attention that she desires. Oh, she'll tell you. <laughs> she'll tell you. Yeah. I guess that's the easy answer. She'll tell you. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, man, cause, I mean, she'll tell you, but I mean, you're, you're automatically going to be going, you know, you're, you're going to naturally gravitate to more than, you know, quote unquote more than right. what's needed. Right. You know, that's just, you know, how you're built. That's how we're built. That's just what, you know, that's just a thing. Right. So, 
It's just, you know, and that's the same thing with your kid, you know, but at the same time, you're never going to feel like it's enough. Yeah. And that's, you're never going to feel like you're giving your wife or your kid enough attention. And that's going to be the, that's going to be the juggling act. Right. So. Man, we're, we're constantly trying to find a way to live a life where we can give our families everything and still get what we need to done. So I don't have a good answer for that because I'm trying to I'm no, trying to I, figure that out too. I, I get you. Like that was I guess kind of a loaded question in and of itself. But this next one, well, I guess I would say you're there's no good answer, but wherever you're at, you the viewer, figure out where your priorities are at. If your priority is not your family. If it's not your wife, if you have a or husband, if you have your spouse, if, if it's not your spouse, if it's not your children, then. You know, take another look. Right. Because I've seen actually that's a good point, because I've seen a lot of people who have gotten married. And almost the entirety of their focus is still on themselves. They never got out of their single dude, single chick life, you know, like Mm -hmm. they essentially just check the box and they go right back to what, what they were doing before, you know, albeit now you have ring on your finger and spouse, you know? Right. But they're still living partying or whatever else. Right. It's like, they're still just thinking for themselves, themselves, his, her, Mm -hmm. whatever. They're still thinking for themselves. I, it's too late. I can't think. They're still just thinking for their own <laughs> self. So, I guess, I guess, when it comes down to it, is I don't know if that's just their own personality, their own upbringing, or maybe it's something to do with. I guess a lack. I feel like with anything, it's it's nature and nurture. Nature and nurture. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a little bit of both, right? So, nature. You know, what were you brought up like? You know, what did you see when you were growing up? How did mom? How did dad treat mom? How did mom treat dad? What was the priority there? Was dad always at work? Whether he was, you know, being at work all the time to provide for his family, or because he didn't want to be at home, was dad partying? Was mom? you know, going off with their friends and bad mouthing your spouse. Was she neglecting her kids? Was dad neglecting? I mean, like all that stuff, right? All of that is going to make that for that first foundation, right? That you build up on. But then as you grow, you know, you know, that's the nature, right? But nurture. So, you know, what do you see when you're right? But then what do your friends act like? What do your friends do? You know, if you're the one married guy in your group with a kid and you know all your friends are partying and you're trying to keep up with all your friends, right? Is that the is that the right answer? Are your priorities in the right place? Because then if your you know friends have kids, then they're oh well, you know, so and so he you know, he's just like out all the time and you know, but will that will they see that as a pro or a con? Will they see that as an example or example to avoid? You know. It's just, it's a, it's a lot, man. For me, 
you know, I was given a pretty firm foundation on what parenting looked like on what, you know, just a nuclear family looked like. I was really blessed in that way. I also saw a lot of things that weren't right, you know, things I wanted to change. But for me, this has always been the, you know, the goal in one way or another. So for me, I'm always trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to imagine the man that I was born to be the husband, the father I was born to be. And I, you know, I try to make that man a reality. I try to be that man. So, you know, my priority is not to, you know, go out and party and do everything else. You should have a social life, right? You should, you know, still spend time with your friends and your family. You shouldn't just ghost everybody because you suddenly got married. Um, but there needs to be that balance there. And, and like I said earlier, you, know, you need to figure out what your priorities are. What if you don't feel good enough? You know, like I know, especially for me, it's, it's, it's been a lot of things where it's just like, you know, I've dated people where, you know, I felt like I didn't measure up, but they didn't measure up or even, you know, I just made a lot of dumb decisions, especially when I was younger. I mean, hell, even when we got back from Afghanistan, yeah. I made my hair share really bad decisions, but you know, it's, it's hard to escape that feeling sometimes of, you know, especially when the person is such a good person, you know, like they're, you almost feel like they're just completely out of your league. And it's just like, what if you just feel like you're just not good enough? Like you could just be doing more. How do you combat that? A little bit like, like imposter syndrome. Going right. On. Exactly. Right. So two sides of that coin, right. You were saying like, if you felt that way or if you thought that person was that way or like you felt like you didn't stack up or the, you know, your, your partner didn't stack up. So on, on the one hand, right. So feel like you don't stack up or you're not good enough. Okay. So let's not, you know, toot horns or, you know, turn this into a, um, I don't know, like a toxic positivity podcast. But okay, you don't you don't feel you don't feel good enough. Take the grace and be better. If you don't feel like you're enough to be in the relationship, but you're in a relationship, that person sees something that you don't. So accept the grace that they're giving you for looking over your faults, looking past all the ugliness that you see when you look at yourself, and then fix it. Be better. If you don't feel like you stack up, work on yourself to a point to where you feel like you do. It's a fair point because even in most relationships, well, not even most, in all relationships, nobody's perfect. So like both people have their own faults. So you're dealing with not just your own faults, but you're also dealing with how to look past or over or deal with, or, you know, however you want to phrase it, your partner's faults as well, because they're not perfect. Yeah. But the only thing that really matters is are they essentially perfect in your eyes? Are you essentially perfect in their mm -hmm. eyes? Like there's, there's an inherent agreement that you're not perfect period. It's understandable. But are you perfect for the other person? Exactly. Are they perfect for you? Exactly. Right. And you know, on that, on that side of the house, right. So, you know, my, you know, my partner's not, you know, eh, get over it. 
Yeah. <laughs> if they're, you know, out, outside of, you know, obviously some really ugly scenarios where we're talking about like abuse or like gross negligence or things that are not in any way, nor will they ever be okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's just yeah get that out of the way, you know, outside of things that are not okay. Moving past that. Right. Moving past that. Okay. You chose your person for a reason. Right. It is not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. Okay. You will have seasons, right? You know, popular vows, you know, in the States are in sickness and health. You will have seasons of sickness. You will have seasons of health. You'll have seasons of rich, of, you know, expanse of, you know, overflowing blessings, right? You will have seasons of poor. You know, it, it will all come to you. I promise you. I will promise you that with my full heart. I do not doubt it for a moment, right? But, you know, also, you know, the word says it shouldn't be any surprise. I, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. I think we've talked about this in the past, right? But the word in Matthew 19, 5 through 6, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there are no longer two but one flesh. Well, therefore, God is joined together. Let no man separate. Let no man being, you know, including you. <laughs> so you made the choice. Right. You made the choice for a reason. So. Live into that. I had like two really good questions I was going to ask or points that I was going to hit. Um. Oh, that's what it was. He's thinking about it. So. Okay. How did you deal with after you brought the baby home sleep schedule? Like was your wife just up here permanently with like anytime the baby cried or needed attention or did you get up and help as did you switch schedules like individual things? That's yeah, that changes. That changes. So we breastfed. Okay. Both the boys. So, well, <laughs> my wife breast, my wife breastfed I was say, both the boys. A little weird. Um, <laughs> I think I I think I've given a total of one bottle. Well, no, no, the second boy we had some some tongue tie problems, so I gave I gave him several bottles. But for our first boy, I gave him maybe half a bottle total um, from actual pumping. But my wife, you know, breastfed everything else. So oh, wow. with us, we we co slept for quite a while. Um, just you know, same bed, slept in the middle. You know, had him sleep in the middle. We had a little like a little cushion thing that made a little board so we didn't like roll over onto him on accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just put that in the middle of the bed and you know, we co slept when he needed to nurse my you know, he would let my wife know and he'd wake up. After that, we switched to a bassinet that was fairly close to her side. Um, I think we skipped the bassinet with our second boy. We just went to a uh went to a crib that was in the same room. But with sleep schedule, that's tough because that has a lot to do with like your work. If you're in school, how your school, you know, like how all that works out. Um, towards the end, my wife was in in school, and our our same boy, like he he sleep trained really really quickly. Uh, oh man, sleep training is a whole other episode. Um, but 
it's just a conversation. You know, if you need to, you know, if either one of you can do it, either one of you do it, you know, give grace to your wife, you know, wives give grace to your husbands. And, you know, if you're awake, go grab them. Don't wait for your spouse to wake up and go yeah. get it because you're tired. Right. But um, towards the end, I end up getting up at night just, you know, because my wife needed to sleep. She needed to sleep more than I did. So I'd, you know, I would handle the, you know, nighttime ups and downs but there are also nights where i you know would get up and then i'd fall asleep while walking my son around the living room and i'd walk into a wall yeah <laughs> so it's like hey babe um you need to get next one so that's just dependent on you know what you and your house needs when you know if you guys are if you guys are going to do breastfeeding then that's probably going to be up to your wife you know mostly to to get baby because that's what baby's gonna need every you know three hours or two three hours whatever it is yeah but once baby is you know weaned or you know has other feeding methods then um you know that's a more of a short task but uh i also you know my buddy here he you know he changed every diaper while their daughter was in diapers you know while he was at home you know he that was just this thing he changed every single one he thought that was just you know, something that he wanted to do for his wife. And so he did. Yeah. With both my boys, I changed the first diaper. That's the meconium poop. And that's like tar coming out. Yeah. Not fun. And my wife, you know, was pretty busy recently being in labor and everything. So she was resting. Recovering. (laughs) Yes. No, I I totally get that. Yeah. So I, but yeah, sleep schedule, how that, how that pans out with who gets up. It's, you know, you are surviving for a while mm-hmm. until you get into a decent routine. I, I feel which what, is a really crappy answer, but yeah, it is. It is. What <laughs> that's it is. just how it is. I, I kind of feel like with my, uh, my bouts of insomnia at times, I feel like I'm probably going to be best suited for nighttime. And I was going to say, you'll be chilling with baby. Yeah. I mean, hell with plus the ability to work from home. Like I feel like I'll just be on baby duty 25, eight until she comes home. And then I'll just be like, here's the baby. Yeah. This was great. Here you go. Mm-hmm. I'll give you 20 minutes to decompress. And then it's all yours. Yeah. I mean, that's how you know, me and my wife do it now. My wife's in school. I'm, you know, I work um, with travel and, you know, with, because I have to commute to work. I essentially work 11 hour days. So, you know, when I come, I leave before the sun comes up. I come back. I get home at like 530. And by that time, my wife is done. <laughs> so a lot of times she gives me like 20 minutes to, you know, get changed, decompress. And then, you know, here's your babies. Yeah. And I handle, you know, supper and put down. But that's how our family works. So it'll be different for everybody. It'll be different for you. I got to figure out how to use, utilize a baby to, uh, Close deals on homes. Oh, dude, just like bring bring the baby everywhere. They're cute. Girls like them. Yeah, I've got a girl. I'm good. I'll have t- three at this point with the dog. So, oh, dude, that's what I'm saying, man. Just like mow your the baby when you're doing walkthroughs. Just like include your baby, but then like point at the house. All of this could be yours. If the price is right. Like. <laughs> Well, it's not mine, but like, you know, notionally. Right. It's like white picket fence type deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, a lot of people worry about money. A lot of people worry about how expensive babies are because they, they do get expensive. But the first however many, I'd say up to a year, they're not. They're just not. They're not all that expensive. You know, if you are able to breastfeed, you don't have to pay for food. If you feed your wife, your baby will be fed. Right. No sweat. Diapers. Yeah, they're expensive. However, um, you know, it's not like it's a surprise. That's true. <laughs> you know, they're they're going to poop. Also, I know a lot of people who, you know, if granted, they forked out a little bit of money on the front end, but they went and did cloth diapers, cloth diapers. You even have them nowadays where they can, you know, they're the snaps. They're not obviously like pins anymore, mm-hmm. but where they'll actually grow with baby. So you don't have to buy like, you know, different sets every time that you, um, you know, as you know, as your baby grows. But you know, if you get like 30, 50 of those cloth diapers, then obviously that's good for, you know, well, more than a day, several days, you know, whenever you start to, you know, get low. Just Run a load of laundry. You know, probably more economical than buying a you know huge box of diapers every you know week or every other week. So how did those cloth diapers handle blowouts? I mean, a blowout's a blowout, man. But the the thing is, that it's a cloth diaper. So basically, what you'll do is you would you know rinse out you know whatever you know actual matter is in there, but then everything else you you know it'll wash out. Just don't leave you know floaties in. There. You're in oh your <laughs> in a laundry, obviously, but it's, a, you know, if you, if you want to do that option, if you're diligent with that option, it's a really great option. Hmm. Something to keep in mind, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Mm. But then, you know, baby, I mean, hell man, you're, you're going to have a baby shower. They're going to give you all the essential stuff that you're going to need. You know, the big ticket stuff, right? If you're blessed to have a baby shower and then. It's just upkeep for for a lot of stuff. I wouldn't go, you know, you don't have to go create like don't get a freaking ankle monitor, check the baby's heart rate and, you know, all this other nonsense. You know, don't go don't go nuts on the whole helicopter thing, but get a decent monitor. You know, call a day. Baby, the thing that you have to to think about is, yes, baby is fragile. Baby does need your protection, but baby is also designed to live. I was so hor like I was so afraid when we had our first boy because um I was going through nursing school at the time and he was uh he was a belly sleeper. So at the time in nursing school, we were taught that you're supposed to sleep on their side with uh like a blanket or something rolled up, you know, against their back so they don't roll over, right? Because you're worried about SIDS. At that point, you know, that's changed who knows how many times. But, you know, my baby, he would always sleep on his on his belly on, you know, he'd be in the kind of the field position with his knees tucked under him and just like uh, his head over to the side. And I was always worried that he would you know suffocate himself by just like laying face down or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was so worried about it. My wife was like, dude, chill out. He's fine. He's good. Don't worry about it. He does this all the time. You know, you're you're here hardly ever. He's OK. But it bothered me so much until I literally saw him on the monitor one day. Sleeping, his head was down one side. In his sleep, he picked his head up, turned it over, and put his head back down. And I'm like, okay, he's fine. Yeah. Once, once, whatever. Once they get that fine motor control of being able to lift up their head, 
and move it. You're yeah, but I didn't know well my son could do that. Yeah, because I wasn't watching him all the time like my wife was. Yeah, you know. But you know, babies are resilient more often than not. They'll be fine. So what about pediatricians? Like, I know you have to like find a pediatrician ahead of time. And most hospitals nowadays won't actually let you leave the hospital unless you have a pediatrician lined up. So how do you go about choosing a pediatrician? Oh, oh man, uh, that's not a good question for me. Obviously, find someone with a good, you know, with a good background who, you know, preferably, you know, you know, talk to these people, right? See what they're about. See if they're a good fit for you, just you know, on a personal level, because you want to make sure that they're going to communicate with you. They're going to advocate for you, and you know what you want, what your care to look like. But I say I'm not good call for that question because uh, me and my wife, bleh, me and my wife went through a midwife, and that was because my wife has known her since she was a kid, since she was like eight years old. Yeah. So you know, we obviously have a good recommendation there. Yeah. And she's been doing it for quite a while. So. But, you know, I'd, I'd say the the main thing in the U.S., you know, most Peters, you know, Peters are going to be part of whatever board of, you know, board of providers. And, you know, they're going to be, you know, generally good to go. But, you know, vet your people and, you know, make sure you actually like <laughs> these people because you're going to have some providers who you can't stand, who they don't communicate with you. They don't respect your opinion or whatever as the parent. And. You know, the thing is, as a as a parent is your call for whatever care your kid gets. Oh, God. Right. So have someone who actually, you know, takes that into account. Yeah, because we went through with that. When, but uh, with your with your wife being a provider, you know, she's going to know people or she's going to know people who know people. So, yeah, we kind of went through that whole issue with our um, our OB. Because. Mm. Our first visit wasn't exactly best because, you know, like I told you, we went in yeah. a week early and there was some, uh, mm-hmm. some thought, drama, some, some drama there, uh, involving no heartbeat, but you know, at, mm-hmm. at the time the OB was kind of cold and kind of to the point. And I was just like, I kind of want to punch this dude in the face right freaking now, but yeah, I think he was also kind of dealing with the emotion of like, hey, there could be something wrong here. How the hell do right. I tell them? But, you know, yeah. our very next visit and we got that strong, strong heartbeat and his mood was like. Instantly different. And I'm like, OK, cool. different. I'm good with this guy. I'm good with this guy. I don't yeah. have to punch him in the face today. But, right. yeah, I'm kind of worried about that. It's like all those points that you were talking about, because, you know, the pediatrician is going to be monitoring our kid and, you know. If our pediatrician is going to be an asshole, then I'm going to have an assault charge. Naturally, you know, but and so one of my biggest problems in, you know, Western, you know, style healthcare is when providers don't explain what they're doing or feel the need to keep you in or forget that you are, you know, autonomous, right? You have bodily autonomy, so you can make these decisions and it's their duty to give you, you know, make sure that you have an informed decision. Right. And that's an entirely so different subject. That's my biggest thing. We're going to get into when I bring my wife on for the whole yeah. hospital primary care setting. Yeah. That's a different episode, folks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, you're the dad advocate for your people, you know, make sure that you know what's going on. And, you know, that is their duty. If they can't handle that, then, you know, that would be my, that would be my red flag. That would be my non-negotiable right there. That's fair. And even, you know, not even just the information thing, but, you know, like I said, the autonomy to make medical decisions that need to be made. Right. So, you know, we had a, uh, a birth plan that we want to, you know, my wife didn't want to do any kind of, uh, any kind of pain medication. She wanted to do, you know, everything naturally. The plan was if she could not, um, or if the birth wasn't progressing as it needed to in a safe way at the birthing center, we were going to go to an adjacent hospital, but my, you know, our midwife had rapport with providers there who knew her and, you know, worked together with her quite often and well, not quite often, but enough to, to understand and to uh, respect that she was the main provider. So you know, she was going to advocate for us and advocate for our birth plan and it was going to be carried out, you know, so someone's not, you know, trying to, again, epidural my wife without our, you know, without our consent, just because it's policy, you know. Well, that's the biggest thing. I, I hate bureaucracy. I hate policy because that's the it's the death of choice. But I mean, dude, you and I both went through that. We spent enough time in the military to know. The death of mm-hmm. any tor- sort of free will or free thought is tape bureaucracy. So, yeah, that's going to be yeah something we're going to have to figure out. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah. Is there anything that uh, you can think of that I may may have missed or might be a good point? Oh, man. I know. There's so much that goes into this. But it's, you know, almost midnight and I'm losing my train of thought a lot. <laughs> there's so many questions I could ask, and I'm trying to keep it on point. I was going to say there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of questions. There's hundreds and hundreds of conversations. And I want this to be more of a kind of a mini series with the Dassos anyways, where we can cover a lot of the, you know, a lot of the process and a lot of the milestones here, but mm-hmm. I guess I don't have anything else. I would just say my closing, my closing thought would be just to, you know, it's hard because it's all new, but, you know, try not to worry. Because like I said, you know, people have been doing this since the beginning, right? This is nothing new. You know, it is going to work. (laughs) It's going to work out. And as long as you are doing what you can, and staying within your left and rights, like we talked about, you're not going to have any kind of issues, you know. There's nothing new under the sun. True. It's just finding your it's just finding your place in it. Yep. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Just figure out a way the wheel works best mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, worrying isn't going to get you anywhere. You know, because you can stress and you can worry about, you know, oh, what exact brand of diapers I'm going to use or, you know, whether or not, you know, my kids' toys have lights and sounds or, you know, any, you know, the freaking paint in your nursery, (laughs) 
you know, but if you're, if you're providing for your baby, if you're doing the right thing, if you're doing right by, you know, you and your family, then you need to learn to let that be enough. Some good words of wisdom right there. Yeah. Or I guess more succinctly, like we talked about when you're talking about, um, dealing with, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm, am I good enough for my wife or my spouse? Right. All in all, you know, wrapped up in a bow, accept the grace, give grace, be better. Oh, I like both points. I mean, I kind of feel like that kind of, that covers pregnancy through birth. I guess we'll have to cover birth to year one or so in a later one. I was going to say, we will, we definitely miss stuff. We'll always miss stuff for dads, eh, but maybe we'll do a part two. We'll get there. Yeah. They'll buff out. It'll buff out. End. Yeah. Russell during it. Bring a jacket. Yeah. Take a knee. Drink water. Change your socks. <laughs> Drink water. <laughs> uh, all right, brother. Got anything? Nope. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Dad. Thank you. Dad. We're the Hard Time Strongman Podcast with another dad episode, another official newly minted dad. Woo. And for sure, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions for dads, let us know. Hit us up on IG, email, Substack, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere you can reach us. We'll be listening. Discord. But Discord, all of it. But until next time, we're the Hard Time Charmin Podcast. With another dad episode for you, sharing of a bear class of man. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Hey guys, this is 6 and 7 with the Hard Time Strongman podcast. Wanted to take a second to do a mental health check-in and to tell you all about the 988 Crisis Lifeline. So the 988 Lifeline is a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, 7 days a week in the United States. You can reach the Lifeline at 988lifeline.org. Or you can call or text 988 to get help, to get someone real on the phone. Every struggle is different. Every struggle is hard. But you are not alone in whatever you're going through. As someone who has used the 988 crisis line, I fully recommend that if you're feeling any of those feelings of depression, suicide, hopelessness, Get in touch with them immediately. They will help you. They will listen to you. Once again, guys, you can reach the Lifeline at 988lifeline.org or you can call or text them at 988. As always, guys, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight.